Welcome back to the Couch Potato Show, and we are joined today by the Birmingham Barons play-by-play announcer, Kurt Bloom. Kurt, how are you doing today? Excellent. Love the, uh, the podcast name, Couch Potato. Um, something that it's easy to do now during this pandemic, but I've made sure that I was the opposite. Uh, I got to keep moving, otherwise I'm going to blow up and be, you know, an oversized baked potato. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So the the last dance uh, finale was this past Sunday. What were your like initial reactions upon seeing the last dance? What was really neat for me is to watch it with my daughter. And this is the 33rd year that I'm in baseball. And it's the first time ever I've been home in May or April or, you know, most likely June, July. So to watch the story and one of the great pictures we have is of my daughter in Michael's hands. So to me, watching it in itself was great, but to watch her watching it and find out about, you know, revealing what this guy was, was special. Um, the, the way that we looked at it, and we believe me, all of us still involved talked about it, um, is that the rest of the world got to see what we held in our own hands for 150 days back in 1994, and now this thing peeled open and allowed a lot of other people to take a look at it. So what was the, um, now obviously you said you spent the two weeks, uh, not two weeks, um, the 150 days with Michael in Birmingham. Um, do you have any crazy like Michael Jordan stories um, that you'd like to share? Well, I have a lot of stories and some I would not want to share. <laughs> um, that, that's actually true. I, I start off every story by telling everybody that in those very small sliver of moments, he was just Mike. Um, he wasn't MJ, he wasn't Air, wasn't anything but the Baron's right field. And that's what he wanted to be. Um, he was extremely generous. He was cooperative, friendly. I don't have enough great things to say about him. And I think that's important to start off that way. Um, he supplied us with a lifetime of memories. Here we are 26 years later. And I think about it a lot. It's been longer since the time he played to today than most people that will actually watch this Zoomcast or podcast have been alive. Exactly. Exactly. You know, and, and so I'm telling you about something that you probably weren't even thoughts for your parents. Right. And... You know, that, that's what you got. You know, I, I get a kick out of that. But it just shows you the magnitude of, of Michael. Um, and then, uh, you know, highlight moments include certainly his first at bat, his first hit, the home run, which was magic, my one interview, one-on-one, and um, and then the, 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 the basketball game, the three-on-three that we played uh, in August. So, uh, you know, we, we fill up this Zoom and podcast. That's why you're speaking, because there's so many good things to talk about. Yeah. I just had a quick question for you, Kurt. Like, the documentary highlighted a lot how Michael loved playing baseball because it was kind of his, like, escape from being the fame and the spotlight of, of basketball. To you, did it seem like the same, that he was more laid back and more calmed down than what he played basketball? Absolutely. And, again, trying to fit into the locker room, there was 
this is a great question people have asked me about. Was he a leader? No, that wasn't his job. He was in somebody else's world. So he was a follower. And he was very, very happy with that role. Um, he accepted and watched the grind that everybody else put in. And that was part of what he wanted to do um, and to be on their level. So um, again, nothing but great stories, great memories. Um, and all of it, it, somehow it's still here. You know, a lot of people say, well, you know, do the Kurt Bloom book or uh, um, you know an audio or whatever, but I, I've got it, and it's no one can take it away, and that's I think that's that's the best place to keep it, you know. Yeah, so you mentioned the uh, infamous three on three basketball game. Um, can you tell us more about that and like what went down that night? Well, the guy who I set the pick against is still reeling. He's probably still recovering at a hospital. Um, the Barons, like any sports team, and I, I, I hesitate to say any minor league team, you can go into a hockey room and those guys have played baseball, football, basketball. Go into a basketball room, you got soccer players, baseball players. So our Barons team was filled with athletes. And we played Sunday day games, and there was a, a subdivision and an asphalt court that is two miles east of the Hoover Met. And most Sundays, there'd be a good pickup game going on. And the guys had asked him to play often. And um, it was early August, and, you know, at the corner of my eye, you see the Mercedes pull up into the... Uh, little subdivision, the MJJJ23, that was his license plate. And um, you start, you know, you say to yourself, is this really happening? Um, I mean, the whole season to me, I really pinched myself, is this really happening? But that was another, you know, level. And it just so happened, it just happened that we divided into three on three and I was on his team. Um, I mean, we didn't shoot free throws to figure that out or do anything like that. And so the ball comes to him, and I go, like anybody would, I set a pick. Now, I remember the, putting my hands together like this, and he looked down on me. He's six foot six. He's six six, and I'm six foot. He looks down on me and goes, CB, I don't need that. <laughs> and, yeah, it's my one hoop story. I'm sticking with it. Um, it's my banquet story. When I, when I tell the stories at luncheons and, di- and dinners, that's the one I use. <laughs> That's a great story. Throughout the documentary, something that was highlighted quite often was obviously Michael Jordan's ability to work and his work ethic and how it was so different from his competitors and how that made him stand out. Did you see a clear instance of that in baseball? Did he carry over that same exact mindset and how was that evident, if so? Sure, yeah, absolutely. And he knew he had to. He knew he had to work extra hard because to compete on their level, just the, the double-A guys, something he had ne- never played baseball. And that work ethic is famous. And that work ethic, and the way I tell it, and um, I think this will resonate. Mostly, a lot of times, this was this was almost perfunctory on the road. At 12, 1 o'clock, when you're finally getting out of your room on the road, and you're starting to think about where we're going for lunch, he was already on his way to the ballpark with our hitting instructor, Mike Barnett. So Michael took batting practice, one-on-one batting practice. There was a taxi, 
there was a van, there was a car, whatever it was supplied by the other team to get him there. So he takes VP. And by the time he was done with that, the regular bus would come. So a lot of times he wasn't on that initial bus going to the ballpark because he, he was already there. And then you take your BP and you're stretching and, and, you're, and you're throwing and all of that. Then you play. And then after that, especially if you didn't feel comfortable, he would take more swings. Um, when I was younger, I used to shag fly balls. It's one of the things that so many broadcasters do in baseball in the minor leagues. We go out in the outfield and we take a round or two and we shag and we, you know, we act like it was, um, um, we're in a big league ballpark. And I, I did that with the weights that we have and then the BP that they, that, you know, I was out there shagging. And I will tell you, I realized after a while that by game time, I was out of gas. I was just so exhausted. And I'm thinking, this can't last much longer. And yet he himself would go on and do that every day without without hesitation. Kurt, I know you just talked about like how MJ was always doing it, working on his craft and taking VP. Like, what specific adjustments did you see? Like, as because the documentary highlighted as the season went on, he got more and more off speed pitches. So, like, what adjustments yeah. did you see out of him that were important? Well, everyone started with fastballs, and for the first six weeks, it was nothing but beat him inside with fastballs and see if he could hit it, which he proved he could. Um, and his at bats were okay. Uh, the ball wasn't driven very far, but the bats were, were competitive and he kept that bats alive. It wasn't three pitches. And then after that first six week period, people were thinking, you know, we got to do something different. And in that case, something different was throwing him curveballs, sliders, change-ups, things along those lines. And that's where the batting average dipped. But again, he started working on that stuff. And he started working with our hitting instructor to get better. So for the following few weeks he was adjusting to that he was thinking about that stuff seeing it and hitting it and then the final few weeks i think the best compliment is that michael's and bats were as competitive and as good as anybody else on the team and thus in a span of what would be five weeks he hit three home runs at really one of the hardest cavernous spacious ballparks there are in the minor leagues do you think the uh, the infamous Sports Illustrated cover of him missing um, a swinging strike by about two feet um, had any effect on his drive of wanting to get better and improving his craft in baseball and really getting to that point where he can hit consistently and drive in runs consistently? As you saw on the last dance, guys, Michael uses anything and everything for motivation. And although we didn't know it at the time, but that was huge. And when you talk about that cover, that Baggett cover, okay, that's what it said, Baggett Mike. Um, it, it, took a lot, it took a long time, and he, again, he didn't talk about it with us. It took a long time to understand that it really did bother him. But more importantly, the guy who wrote the story and, again, did not write the headline has become a, a, a correspondent of mine. His name is Steve Wolf. Uh, a brilliant career at Sports Illustrated. And I, I've talked with him recently. And you need to go back. There was an article he wrote last year. I think it was 18 or 19, 19. And he found out 
that maybe that that article was not correct or that was a little rough uh, to say the least. And he called it his mea culpa. So Steve went back and interviewed everybody possible, teammates, batting instructors, hitting instructors. And it was funny what he found out from each interview that he did that this wasn't a joke and that if it had lasted without a strike, he probably finds himself the following year, 95, in the big leagues. Starting pitcher Gary Wilson back in the second took a hit away. And he skied deep to left center when he hit the ball to the warning track. And that was in the fourth. And then in the sixth, Jordan pulled the ball a little bit more. Missed by two feet. Fly ball deep to left again. Ratliff going back at the warning track. Look it up. It is Gonzo Jordan. He's done it. Thanks a lot to uh, Kurt Bloom on sitting down with us and taking the time out of his day to um, answer some questions with us. Um, unfortunately, the file corrupted after the first 15 minutes. So um, unfortunately, we missed half the interview, but we want to thank, uh, thank Kurt for sitting down with us. Um, and now we're going to move on to uh, our picks. And we're going to review our picks from last week. So last week we sat down and picked the Coca-Cola 600. We made picks for that. And um, none of us won, unfortunately. Eric, who was your pick for the Coca-Cola 600? I had the same one as you, I believe, Martin Truex Jr. That's true, yeah. Yeah, and he had his moment in the sun, but it did didn't didn't pan out. Yeah, he was he was leading a lot of the race. Uh and when he wasn't leading, he was in that second, third, and fourth pack. Um but in the end, uh Brad Keslowski takes home the checkered flag with a bit of uh controversy. I, Chase Elliott, I don't know if you guys are watching, but Chase Elliott decided to enter the pits. He was in second he Jason, and he was winning at the time. Huh? He was winning at the time with two laps yeah. to go, and he decided to enter the pits at a caution leading, lap. Yeah. And, uh, and lost the lead right after they started the up again. Decided to enter the pits with two, two laps to go, and then ended up coming in second and eventually losing the race. So he fucked up there. Um, so no one gained points from that, unfortunately. Sorry, Eric. I know you won. You're good. You're good. I know, I, was just I, know, that. I know I know you really needed the points. Um, oh, desperately. We also saw this past Sunday the Champions for Charity match between Tiger Woods and Peyton Manning against uh, Phil Mickelson and Tom Brady. Um, you guys watched the event. I did not. Uh, what did you guys think of that? Yeah, I thought it was really interesting overall. Uh, Frankie, you're not going to lie. You had me sweating there at the end. Phil, had I, a- I, we, we were coming uh, back, man. Yeah. We're, we're almost there. 
he really – it was so close. He had a few putts down the stretch where if he hit those, we could have been looking at some extra holes, some overtime, if you will. And really, my favorite part of this match overall, just watching it play out over this, like, four-and-a-half-hour span, I was so glued to the television. Just having these four mic'd up was television gold. Oh, it was great. Yeah. From it was pre-game. fantastic just to hear these guys talk the entire time, rat with each other and hang out and poke fun at each other the whole time. It was great. Yeah, it was fantastic from before the match even began to during the match, post-match. It was fantastic. You had that little segment before we even started of Manning talking smack beforehand, (laughs) saying to Brady, oh, yeah, if I had a caddy, it'd be Nick Foles or Bill Belichick. (laughs) So well played. I found it so funny. Yeah, and then you got Tom Tom in the back, and he he goes, oh, that was was, was slow. That was shallow. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. That was a cheap shot. (laughs) Gold. And the part I loved loved were – Peyton Manning was like, yeah, I can't match Tiger today wearing the red and black because that would be George Bulldog colors, and I can't I can't hype <laughs> up uh, Kirby Smart's ego any more than he already is. I can't have that floating around social media. I don't want to be sick on the first hole wearing Georgia Bulldog, Bulldog colors. So. <laughs> and then they had one time where Charles Barkley was trying to smack talk, and then, and then Brady was like, Charles, I don't care. I'm trying to win a Super Bowl this year. This doesn't mean anything to me. <laughs> Yeah, the trash talk wasn't even limited to the competitors. Brady, he he had the swing of the match. It was ridiculous. Uh, it was just bounce back. Oh, chip shot. Yep, he did. And he told Charles to suck on that. It was fantastic. <laughs> My goodness. And at the very end, where uh, Charles Barkley was doing his what was it better than a bogey challenge? <laughs> yep, yep. Yeah, and uh, Justin Thomas was Justin Thomas who went to Alabama. Charles Barkley who went to Auburn. Um, Justin Thomas following him around and Barkley, he didn't get the bogey, did he? No, I don't think he did. Not yeah. No. So he did. He didn't get it, and then he was like, "Oh, you guys are setting me up." Justin Thomas is the Alabama man is messing me up. And another cool thing for me was watching uh, Russell Wilson do the uh, twelve feet or less challenge, and then you had everyone besides Tiger Woods somehow. Everyone besides Tiger Woods got the got so close to hole in one. So we ended up donating. I think it was about 300,000 meals or something like that. So yeah. that was pretty cool to watch. And, of course, Tiger, like the best – probably arguably the best golfer like in the world when he's healthy, obviously. And he was the only one that like, didn't get <laughs> the challenge. I thought that was pretty funny. Well, you know, sometimes the best the best are don't always uh, come closest, as you saw. And sometimes the worst finish – put it in the hole like Tom Brady did on that one shot. I, I thought he was coming Fair back. luck. <laughs> I will say, though, once once he missed that one putt, I think it was on, I want to say, like, the 13th or 14th hole, I was like, oh, this is not looking good. He missed the one putt, and I was like, ah, that would have sealed it right there. But, you know. Yeah, it wasn't wasn't very pretty for Tom Brady, but uh, anyway. No, he had one good shot, though, so I'll give him um, Me and Eric both picked uh, Tiger Woods and Peyton Manning, so, Frank, I'm sorry, but we're now on one more point ahead um, than we were. That was my first point, actually. I'm proud of you, Tyler. In our picks. It's, it's about damn time. <laughs> it only took about three episodes. <laughs> Appropriate, Frank. That was a golf clap. Very good. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um, and then after – oh, last week we also made picks for NFL – where NFL free agents are going to sign. Two free agents on that list signed this past week, that being Joe Flacco signed with the Jets – Eric got that right, of course. Um, hey, Eric. He sucks. So another point for Eric. And then 
Carlos Hyde signed with the Seattle Seahawks. None of us predicted that, so none of us get points for that. Um, Wrong bird. What do we have? But we, we both had the Eagles and the Falcons. I had the Falcons. And yeah, then I think and I had the Eagles. Eagles. Yeah, so. Yes. You were close. Yeah, that didn't work out. Um, and then, yeah, so that, that was it for last week. At the moment, standings look like this. And I will put the standings right down there. Yeah. Next. No, no, Frank. Frank, the other way. <laughs> well, Frank, the other way. Of, Frank, point way? the other way. Yeah, way? that way. Okay. From my point of view, it was this way, but I guess yeah. this way. Picks are that way. <laughs> okay. Actually, with the recording, they might be this way. Yeah, who knows? They'll be somewhere. They'll be on the side. <laughs> next, next, <laughs> you can see them. Um, at the moment, it is six. Eric has six points, Frank has one, and I have one. We're going to try so and change Eric's it. destroying us. Yeah, Eric's, Eric's running away with this thing. We have decided, by the way, um, we're going to go We're going to go to 100 as like round one. Um, and then after 100, whoever, whoever gets to 100 first, that will be the end of round one. Um, and then we'll just keep – we can keep track of whoever has won whatever rounds or whatever. We'll cross that bridge when we get there. But we're playing yeah. to 100, so keep that in mind. Frank, we're, we're very close. We're, we're 1% there. We're, yeah. We're clawing we're through. There. We're getting yeah. there. All right, so this week we are picking um, the NASCAR race, the Cup Series race, which is – we're recording this on Tuesday night. Uh, race is Race is going to be tomorrow night, uh, Wednesday. By the time this comes out. It'll probably be tonight. Um, and then that's at Charlotte. We are predicting the Supermarket Heroes 500, which is going to be at Bristol next week. And then after that, we have a UFC main event this weekend. Correct, Eric? Yes. That's right. Yes. Between Woodley and Burns, man from Brazil. Um, We'll be picking that as well. So three picks on the line. Um, seven points up for grabs with two NASCAR races, each being worth three points. So uh, we'll start off with the Alsco Uniforms 500. Eric, who do you have winning? You know, for Chase Elliott, it has been a very, very strange season so far. It has been riddled with bad luck. But on Wednesday night, I think he will finally be able to get his first win. It changed the tide of this season. Chase, Chase Elliott looked so fantastic in the Coca-Cola 600 before the controversy with the last couple of laps. We, we touched on that. It was insanity. And let's not forget, not only that, but also without that crazy crash with Kyle Busch at Darlington, you're looking at two possible races that Chase Elliott could have taken home. It is insane. Well, how Chase Elliott was in second place in the race where Kyle Busch took him out. So he had it. He had the possibility of winning. It's possible. So first place. It wasn't like he was right behind first place. First place was a long ways away. That's fair. But my point is, Elliott is so consistent, and I got the stats to back it up. He's starting 19th, middle of the pack. That's yeah. That's whatever. He could overcome that. He's the most quality passes 
from any driver in the Cup Series thus far, and he's second in average running position for the season. So I have such confidence in picking Chase Elliott to get the win in Charlotte. All right, Frank, how about you? You know what? Eric's a smart man because I, too, am going with Chase Elliott for, the, for one reason, redemption. He needs That's- to redeem what he did at, at Charlotte the other night and making a pitiful, pitiful, pitiful mistake. I cannot speak today. And uh, uh, pit stopping with two laps to go. I'm sure he had his reasons. I just don't think it was a good decision. So I think he will redeem himself and come off with the victory uh, tomorrow night. You guys are pissing me off. <laughs> with my pick, I'm picking <laughs> Chase Elliott. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> um, like Eric said, uh, Chase Elliott's been very close these past couple races, and uh, yeah, if it weren't for the dumb pit last race, I think Chase Elliott shakes home the checkered flag. I think that he's very close, obviously, with the whole Kyle Busch incident. Um, I think he's got the he's got a, he's got the car and he's got the pit crew to do it. So I think Chase Elliott. Just like you guys. Um, <laughs> now, uh, have, since we all have the same pick, do we want to make a second pick? I was just if, about to say, I got a second pick in mind right now. I have. I also have a second okay. pick in mind. So what we'll do, what we'll do, because we all have the same pick. Chase Elliott wins. We all get one point. If he, if, and then we're going to make picks again. If our other pick wins, you get the three points. If they finish 1-2, you get the points for whoever came in first. So if Chase Elliott comes in first and your other guy comes in second, you get one point. If your other guy comes in first and Chase Elliott comes in second, then you get three points. Okay. So that's how we'll do it. Um, so, Eric, you got a guy in mind? Yes. And for me, I, I swear if we all pick the same guy, I'm going to be pissed. I'm going to call it. We're just going to get, we're going to move on. I hope not. But for me personally, I do think Elliot's the favorite here, but, and this is a bit more of a dark horse. I'm going a bit more out on a limb with this pick, but with all the circumstances here, I like Alex Bowman as a dark horse in this race. <laughs> and I have a feeling right. Kyle does too. <laughs> Frank, tell me you don't oh. have I, I do not have Alex Bowman, so we will oh. have a choice. We will have a race. There's a silver lining here, then. With my second choice, I'm going to take Tyler Reddick, and for this reason, because he won last year in this event, he won, it was a 300 last year. He won, and I'm going to go with Tyler Reddick. So we will okay. have a race. Right, We're both going to be voting for Chase Elliott. And you, you guys can be voting for Give me a second, because now I don't want to pick Alex Bowman. <laughs> Tyler's third choice. Shit. Eric, fuck you. <laughs> oh, fuck, I messed up. Hold on a second. I got to pull up the list again. All right, there's some controversy here, ladies and gentlemen. No, you, you, you could have made this easier for me. <laughs> Never, never. Hey, that just proves that we all have the same terrific sports mind. That's all that proves. I don't know if I'd call it terrific, but yes. Um, we all have that same sports mind. It's not very good, but it's the yes, same. Yes, exactly. 
Just as brilliant right, minds you know like so do uh, so do minds like ours. You know what? I'm gonna say fuck it. We're going with uh, we're going with old reliable. Ah. <laughs> Taking Kyle Busch, oh, right. number eighteen car. <laughs> okay, all right. That's a good. That's always a solid choice. It's never wrong. Yeah, you just when in when in doubt, go with old reliable. Okay, yeah. so to set the scene here, if. Chase Elliott pulls it out. We all get one point, correct? Yep. Chase Elliott pulls it out. We all get one point. Yes. If Alex Bowman wins, Eric gets three points. If Kyle Busch wins, I get three points. Frankly, Tyler Reddick. Tyler Reddick. <laughs> yeah. If Tyler Reddick somehow wins, Frank won well, last year. Frank will get three points if Reddick wins. Frank will get three points somehow if Tyler Reddick wins. We'll see. We'll Tyler see. Tyler Reddick even – He was on the projected list because I – Where is he getting in the polls? Probably not well. 13th. Okay, that's not too bad. Not Where's terrible. Kyle Busch is 17. Where's Bowman in the polls? Isn't he uh... – Bowman's two. He's up yeah, there. Yeah, on. he's definitely up there. And uh, our boy uh, Chase Elliott is – 19. 19. Yes. So uh, we got a mixed uh, mixed group here. Oh, Jimmy Johnson is last. That yeah. Oh, the uh, quick, fail. Quick note on Jimmy Johnson. Yeah. I know Eric's about to say this. From last uh, race at Charlotte, I don't remember what day it was. Someone, if someone remembers, they can say it. But he got disqualified, and his because some part of his post race inspection got failed, so he moved from second place all the way down to fortieth place. And I think I saw it on ESPN. It's like 120 races in a row that he's now lost, which is rough. Yeah, he's a future Hall of Famer um, in NASCAR. And unfortunately, this season is his last season. Um, he's yeah. calling, calling it quits after this. And so close in this last race. He was leading for a good number of laps. Well, even if he won, he wouldn't have won because he failed. The that, would have been, that would have been crazy. if, that, if Yeah. Yeah. and then they had called it off um that would have been some uh that, yeah holiday nights type type shit right there yeah we had so many people leading leading in that race before it was crazy maybe it's because of the length of it but kurt bush had his moment yeah, I mean, it's, it's 600 miles so yeah. you're gonna have my pick however never but Eric, it's like if we, if the three of us were to race from like where, from where we are in northern New Jersey down to Atlanta, the same person isn't going to be in the lead for this. <laughs> You'd see some switches for sure. It makes sense. Yeah, makes sense. I mean, 600 miles, you're going to see switches here and there. Fair, fair. All right, so let's move on to uh, the next race which is going to be this coming Sunday, the Supermarket Heroes 500 at Bristol Motor Speedway. Now, some background info for you guys. Um, before this episode, we were just discussing the Bristol, the Bristol track, and uh, we revealed to each other our pick, our original pick for this race. Singular pick. Um, we all had, just like we all just had Chase Elliott winning, we all had Kyle Busch winning this race. Same minds. So... <laughs> What we're doing is the same thing that we did last year is one point for Kyle Busch and then three points for um, Whatever else the second pick. <clears throat> so without further ado, Frank, who's your second pick 
for Supermarket 500? For no particular reason, because of course I had all my research done on Kyle Busch. So I'm just picking him out of the blue. If someone takes I'm my pick like Eric did last race, I'm going to flip. Well, I got to give, I got to give my man hope. So I'm going to take Elliot for this race because I didn't, I couldn't take him for the last race. So I'm going to take him for this one. Okay. Fair. All right, Eric, what about you? Just like you went back to your old reliable and Kyle Busch, I got my man, Kevin Harvick. He, I oh, love yeah. him, you know, I do. He's, He's going to have to take him out for a steak dinner by oh, the end of the season. I believe it. He sits at the top of the cup series standings with a win and five top five appearances already is yeah, insane. He's been, he's been He's, been, he's yeah. been doing work. He's led more laps than anyone. 328 has the 10-lap advantage on the next closest uh, driver. This guy is unbelievable, I'm telling you. So my pick is going to be somebody because I can't take Kyle Busch. So I got to take the next best thing, his older brother. <laughs> you can Kurt take Busch. <laughs> Yep. And hold on a second. I'll pull out some stats for you. Kurt Busch has four career wins at Bristol. One less than his brother Kyle. Well, now I'm just now we're just screwed. He has won this exact this exact event in 2002, 2003, 2004, and 2006. It's been 15. What? Yeah. What year is it? <laughs> 2020. It's been 15 years since he won. But my man Kurt has been on fire this season. It's true. Look out for the uh, what? I don't even know what the number he is. Oh, I don't know. Is he one? Yes. I don't remember. I believe so. He is one. Look out for the number one car. <laughs> he uh he finished third in the Real Heroes four hundred, by the way. That was a couple weeks ago. Just pointing that out. And then you know, is what it is. And then in the race after that, he finished uh never mind. <laughs> Not good. Never mind. <laughs> All right. Uh, last but not least, we have the UFC main event. Eric, take it away. You know, Eric, Eric's going to have a field day with this, guys. Sit back and relax. Get a drink. Get comfortable. Eric's going to have a spiel. Spiel. He's going to go off. Thank you called it. I am so excited for this main event. Some people are saying it's a mismatch, wishing that Tyron Woodley were to take on someone like Colby Covington or some kind of bitter rival. But in my opinion, before I say anything with the prediction, Gilbert Melendez is a great, underrated, underappreciated fighter. He has good stand-up. He's shown in the past. Phenomenal on the ground with his submissions. That being said, Tyron Woodley is one of the best fighters in the UFC when he is confident in his abilities and when he sticks to his game plan. Specifically, he needs to keep going forward, set up combinations on the feet. You can't just look for that big right. You got to throw some jabs with it. And he's got to use that rich wrestling background when necessary. Do not let recency bias fool you. When he dropped his strap against Kamaru Usman last fight, he was not loose inside the octagon. It was so plain to see for anyone watching. Just like he was not loose in his previous loss before that to Rory, Rory McDonald, which we need to go back to 2014 to reference. This guy is on, was on fire before his last fight. And guys, you do not defend the UFC welterweight belt four times by accident. And I believe we will see the best version of Tyron Woodley when he steps in the octagon against Gilbert Burns because he has a chip on his shoulder. He has something to prove. And he has never been a guy who's relied on the fans for support. He wants people to doubt him. 
this chip on his shoulder. There is no fans, so. (laughs) (laughs) Makes a point. That's a great point. But those watching at home, Tyler Mains, I'm telling you, this guy thrives based off of people doubting him. And I have Tyron Woodley's going to win in a big way. Wait, so you're taking Burns, right? Yes, exactly. No, <laughs> it's going to be Woodley. This guy, if he, you're going to know very quickly, first 15 seconds of this fight, if Tyron Woodley goes out there and is like, all right, let me feel him out, go slow, not going to be a good night for me. But if he's out there and he looks loose, moving around, juice is flowing, going to be a bad night for Gilbert Burns. No, I just want to point out one thing. You said that he – how many times has he held the belt? Four. He defended the belt three times and actually retained it when he tied uh, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. That's on the fly too, so I believe. You could fact check that, but I, I believe so, that's so, so he defended it three times and retained it once. Yes, for, for everyone at home, yes. Defended the belt three times, retained the belt once. So that's a – not good percentage right there. Are you what? No, no, no. But hold on, hold on. So he's only retained it a third of the time. So you're saying that two thirds of the time he has lost. My goodness, they math at Alabama. I will tell you that. Hold on, <laughs> hold on, hold on. <laughs> UFC has crushed its ratings these past couple of weeks. They have. Well, you know, there's something else on. A lot of people are UFC, watching UFC. UFC is, besides obviously NASCAR and this past weekend golf, is the only thing on TV in terms of live sports. So, it's safe to say that this is a very big fight, being that a lot of people are watching. That's point. So, what you're telling me is that, what's his name, Tyron Woodley? Cannot step up when it counts. I'm not saying that at all. No. So, for that reason, Eric, I'm going with my man out of Brazil, Gilbert Burns, defeating Tyron Woodley. All right. (laughs) Fair. Like I said, he's underappreciated. He's talented. Seriously, people who think this is a major Taller. Height always wins. There you go. Means he's a big height guy. Big height guy. I'm going to have to disagree with you on this one, Tyler. I'm, I'm going to take uh, Woodley. Fine, I think he's... fine by me. I'll get the point when uh, <laughs> my man – I forgot his name. Gilbert Burns. <laughs> Gilbert Burns. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm going to take Woodley in this one because just like the sheer size advantage that Woodley has over Burns and the uh, the strength that Woodley can play with, the only way I see Burns – Shorter than him. <laughs> oh, sorry. Well, I'm they weigh the same amount and he's shorter. <laughs> Although – I'll he's say better, that, he's a better fighter, man. That's just my opinion. Yeah, they do. They they weigh in at one seventy, but Tyron with his muscle, when he gets water weight, it's going to impact him more. That's when a, they step into that octagon, he will be the heavier man. Make no mistake about I'm looking, it. I'm looking at ESPN here, and my man Gilbert Burns has an eight pack, so I'm I'm feeling pretty confident right now. They're, they're all in the UFC. They all have eight eight packs. Hey, man, do you know uh, Roy Nelson? I don't know. Woodley's, Woodley's looking a little chubby. Not gonna lie. That just means when he punches, he's going to rip he's only, break he's somebody's only, nose. He's only got six packs. I'm just – I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take Woodley. I think he's a superior fighter from the very little UFC experience that I have. And I know it's a good pick because Eric's going with it, and Eric knows everything about UFC. I think the only way that Burns is going to win if it's like a quick, quick fight and he puts in a quick submission or something like that. I just don't see this going a long time and seeing Burns winning. I just don't. So, there you go. There's my two cents. Breaking wow. news. What, I don't have my phone in front of me. What happened? I'll tell you. Okay, I'm so excited. 
NASCAR news. Oh. Did Kyle Busch win already? Not quite. <laughs> this is the Xfinity series, so this is the second second tier series. This is the, yeah. This is the one that we don't vote on or pick. Yes. Chase Elliott ends Kyle Busch's seven-win Bristol uh, win streak. I picked my boy Chase. Let's go. Let's eat. Did Hooters go out of business? I hope not. Hooters is fantastic. Um, do you, I asked ask? Chase Elliott. As, he's in the Hooters car. So I no Hooters did not go out of business. The one by well, us did. That would have been all over the news. That would have been the only thing they're talking about. Wait, the one the one by us went out of business? Yeah. Oh. That's what I'm talking about. Plunge a knife in my heart time. It was before Corona. I didn't even know that. That's killer. Frank's really down his luck, and it's about to get we even worse have, with these things. Besides we, Woodley, it'll get bad. We have Buffalo Wild Wings, though. We do have Buffalo Wild Wings. That just opened up that Willowbrook. So. First, Bender, I'm going to win both these races, and I'm going to win this fight. I- Chase Elliott's going to come through with me. Tyler Reddick's going to come through for me. And Woodley's about to just destroy Gilbert. Gilbert, uh, Gilbert's too tiny. Little man. There you go. Just saying. I forgot who I picked for the UFC card. You You got burned. (laughs) That's the third time you've forgotten his name. In the span of like five minutes. He's a confident man. You can tell. He speaks with conviction, Tyler Maines. He knows his pick. He definitely does. does. Yeah. I'm not feeling confident, though. Then you should have picked Woodley with me and Eric. That way we could all have the same picks for everything this week. No, because then I can't make up, like... It's, it's, a, it's a strategy, you know? Yeah, I can't... It's a strategy. If, it won't win him any points, but it's a strategy. You can't pass Eric if you pick the same thing that Eric does. All right, well, for a UFC fight, it's different because there's only two options. For the NASCAR... God knows how we all had the same pick for two reasons. Twice. Yeah. God. Well, the 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 Food City was an obvious choice because up until now, Kyle Busch has won repeatedly there until my boy, Chase Elliott, just Listen, beat him. Kyle Busch, so. has, Kyle Busch has five wins, five Cup Series wins at Bristol. That's all well and good. And uh, you, you're talking about Kyle Busch like he's a god at Bristol. That's only one more win than my man, Kurt. But, you know, the reigning champion at Bristol right now is Chase Elliott. No, it's Kyle Busch. Okay. The point is, that race, look out for Alex Bowman, people. He's going to win. <laughs> Frank, the Xfinity series is a truck series. It's not race cars. It's trucks. Listen, I just look at tracks. I know, I know it's trucks. All right, Tyler? I, I know that much about NASCAR. It's very little, but I do know that. I, I'm just looking at the racetrack, my man. Chase Elliott's about to pull it out. So after Bristol, just taking a look at what we've got in the future. Um, so uh, tomorrow night we have Alaska Uniforms 500 Charlotte. After that, we go to Bristol. Um, after that, we go to um, Atlanta. Sounds good. I'm yeah. just going to get all the points anyway. I don't know why you're announcing it. 
wasting oxygen. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just taking a look ahead at what's. Uh... So you can lose all the points. That's sad. You shouldn't do that to yourself. You should wait. No, 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 no. Frank, in order to, in order to pick the right player in the game, you have to do your research well in advance. We can kind of see that though. You guys can't see it. That's Michael a... Harden right there. You guys can't see it, but there's a whole pad of notes, you know, before we all had the same. Over Mr. Carl Malone and then. Uh... Before we all had the same picks for races, there were notes. Yeah. So, I will say this, though. I might look stupid to everyone when it comes to UFC, NASCAR, UFC, and football. But once baseball and basketball start, I'm making a comeback in the points department. I will say that. By the way, next week we're doing um, who, who he play for or for whom does he play for basketball. Copyright. For whom does he play? For whom does he play? <laughs> he misspoke. Shaq, you guys didn't see that. Graphic here. <laughs> Mr. Ed I think, I think uh, me and Bender are going to play, right? I think. Uh, yeah. Because it would not be fair if I played. I'd destroy you in anyone besides football. Eric, do I have permission to take your place in this? <laughs> you know what? Honestly, I would love to be the judge. And this is this is live. Let's do it right now. Tyler versus Frank next week. It's a must-see. Yeah, uh, we'll square down, Frank. You can show off. Are we doing, are we doing basketball or are we doing something else? No, yeah, we're doing we'll basketball. Stick, we'll stick with basketball. Okay. All right, bet. All right, bet. I will, I will happily be the judge because this is a grudge match you got to see. You think I'm not sitting here studying – my butt off for a week. Frank, Frank, you got to realize your way of studying and my way of studying are two totally go, different ways of studying. You go to Alabama, you guys don't study. All you do is party. Frank, Frank, I've, I have NBA 2K fired up on my Xbox. <laughs> That's true. I don't have that. He makes a good point. Okay. That's true. All right. We'll see. We'll see. I'll let my game to the talk. That's all I got to say. If you, if you go on Xbox and look at how many hours I've put into that game, it is an unhealthy amount. Is that a good thing or sad? It's a bad thing. But in this case, it's a good thing. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, we'll see. I'll, I'll let my play do the talking. I'll, I'll just whoop you. I'll beat you like 5 nothing. I might even let you go first. Or no, I might even make myself go first every single time. And give me a disadvantage of not knowing your Why? Thing. So I'll, I'll have out of one out of 29 teams to pick from instead of one of 30? No, you can't. Right. Okay, whatever. We got we'll it. Let's anything. We got it. That's for next week. We'll sign off for this week. Um, you guys have anything else to add? Well, all right. Ricky Bobby, I'd like to think we all piss excellence in our own way. Inspirational. Positive words to end the week. Instagram is down. Instagram is down right there. YouTube is that way somewhere. Um, yeah, let's end it there. All right, adios.